Greetings, Highlander. Yeah, whatever, Sassanak. <laughs> So we've just come from our second vinyl countdown show where we've been forced to listen to 900 great songs by Run Rig by Ellie. How was it for you? Yeah, what, the, the, the album or the whole thing? The whole Gesamtkunst Run Rig experience. Uh, just the Run Rig, yeah. It, it, um, I, can I be really honest? And it'll sound a bit rude to poor old, uh, poor old Ellie, but... Um, when I was a kid or a teenager trying desperately to be cool in the West End of Glasgow, run rig were considered a terrible old joke. Oh dear. Oh no. <laughs> and I feel terrible about it. It's only because of that fusion of trying to squeeze rock onto folk. And now that I'm older and folk is not just a kind of laughable kind of music genre for me anymore i do like it uh, it it doesn't offend my sensibilities as much as it did when i was 15. <laughs> <laughs> looking for something a bit edgier well that's right it just was not cool there's nothing cool about folk but as you as you get older you don't mind in you know wearing an aaron jumper or three you know and embracing <laughs> that kind of old fogey stuff you know you're much more comfortable with being able to accept that. So of course I'm quite envious of Ellie. She so doesn't have a problem with it. She's able to admit, you know, whereas I was crippled with trying to be cool, you know, <laughs> as, as a kid. <laughs> it was really interesting that that um obviously the, there was a, a, a real sense of some albums that people chose was very much what we were expecting them to choose. And some albums that we chose were very much, uh, the students chose, were very much a surprise. But I quite like that about the show, yeah. is that it, it it shows new sides to people that you wouldn't have come across. And it's just a great platform for, for them to come on and, and enthuse about something that they love. Absolutely. And as Felicity had said, that the two albums the other girls had chosen were not remotely on her radar as their kind of choices. Mm. And so it's that great way that actually when you ask people about things, particularly like music and taste and albums, it gives you a whole other way in to seeing them or understanding them and you get a much kind of 360 or in the round idea of people. And that's another reason I love these kind of things because I'm just so interested in people and mm. what they like and why they like it, you know. <laughs> and I think it came up, didn't it? The fact that, that pop music, because for Felicity, uh, that the album that she chose was very, very um, rem reminiscent for her of that particular time in her life and, and that summer and, and you know what, what she was doing at the time and so on. And that's that's the great things about albums is that yeah. they become a keystone to bottling a particular memory in your life. And you then come back to it in my in my case, 50 <coughs> years later uh, <laughs> and you then kind of you un uncork that album and immediately it transports you back to to where you were at the time, you know, the Jumiroquai Absolutely. album that we were talking about came out when I was the second year. I'm instantly back in the, the, the student house, having just purchased the cassette on the high street in York because I got really <laughs> excited having heard the signal. Um, and it was in the early days when Jumiroquai were much more interesting and they were much more jazz based and they were that sort of later dance disco feel and so on. And pop music does that. It plugs you right back into that, that nostalgia that instantly connects with, with, with your youth. 
Yeah, and that reminds me, I keep meaning to say to you, is this, I, I mean, I don't know whether I would always have been like this, but this idea of music and being important in that very regard. My mum used to, every at the end of every summer, would say, so what was your song of this summer? Oh, and then she would buy the single for us. So I have to put, I have to fess up one year when I went to Denmark on my own. It was a bit of a rite de passage that me and my brother would do. At the age of 12, we'd be sent off to Denmark on our own and then carted around the family, different yeah. you know, arms of the family. And when I came back from my version of that rite de passage, my mum said... <laughs> She said, so what was the song that you, you know, remind, will remind you of Denmark this holiday? And I went, well, we went to quite a lot of fairs and things like that. They're really big in Denmark, you know, like Tivoli and all that kind of thing. And it was, what kept playing was Ottoan, hands up, baby, hands up. <laughs> so, and I just said, oh, that's what they kept playing. And so I ended up with a single of Ottoan <laughs> in my vinyl collection, oh. which I never would have bought. <laughs> but I remember then a couple of years later or the next year buying Baltimore Tarzan Boy because again going somewhere and it was being played all the time and again I had a hideous shameful seven inch in my collection <laughs> <laughs> I've got um, the 12 inch the 12 inch release of Lullaby by The Cure because yesterday's oh, listening yeah. party when we were when we were working our way through the, the, the majestic misery of The Cure's um, bracket, good segue, Dan. <laughs> Close bracket. <laughs> Do you see the, the neat way I did that? Um, I know, very good. It, um, I, I had that 12-inch signal because um, the album came out in 1989 and I would have been... What, an even extended version yeah. of that misery? Yeah, yeah, yeah. of that song. That's right, protracted wallowing in gloom and doom. Um, so it came out in 1989, so I would have been in my either the lower sixth or the upper sixth. I think I might have been in the upper sixth at school. Uh, and uh, based on the room that I remember playing the album in relentlessly, uh, being, you know, all yeah. kind of dark and gloomy and miserable and filled with wallowing in self-pity as you are as a kind of teenager or, or, or as I was at that time. And, and working through the album yesterday brought it all back straight away, you know, that that the luxury you have as a as a teenager and the time you have to kind of wallow that whole uh, experience of going through your own inner conflict and drawing it out whereas as an adult you don't have time for any of that wallowing do you you've got the demands of a of, of a mortgage of a full-time job the the joy of 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 trying to you know keep your your, your daily life uh, running on track and so the, the having time to just to wallow in that thing that self-misery because of an album you just you just don't have it anymore it's a real luxury yeah. that you don't realize you have as a kid I mean, I have to say that is one of the things I miss being an adult is how long days felt as a kid and a teenager. Mm. I, I, that kind of speeding up of time. I don't mind getting older. I don't mind other things. But I miss having that long sense of a day and remembering everything that happened and you did in it. And uh, yeah, I mean, you blink and a day's gone now. Doesn't it? Yeah. And it's just find that a bit depressing. And again, some of these listening parties and all that has given me a, a bit of that back, a soups on of that, where it forces you to stop in the day. And I don't want to say actively listen, because that sounds like such a kind of annoying educational kind of thing. <laughs> but it does do that. It makes you 
just slow yourself down yeah. and then you just do that 40 45 minutes or whatever it is and i have i've really loved them <laughs> yeah. for, for as much that reason and then of course there's also i love as i said before i love hearing what other people have to say about music and what it means to them you know that, and that's the interesting thing, I think, is is that it's not just about why the album is significant, but why the album is significant to them, them mm -hmm. personally. So you know, it's it's about them sharing their 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 personal connection with it or something, um, uh, as you did when you did Blondie's Parallel Lines. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it was a it was a bit of a watershed, and it reminded me when Harriet talked about that she. Uh, became aware of that Panic at the Disco album about the same age that I got in that Blondie album. And she said it kind of segued her into an adult. And I thought, God, that's actually probably a bit of a similar thing for me. Because one of the things I commented about was I didn't go into any length, uh, any depth about this, but I had just been a mega ABBA fan from about the age of five. Mm -hmm. And then about the age of 10, that Super Trooper album was the last album I ever got or bought. And that was about the time that I got the Blondie album. And I was talking about, that's what I described as coming out of my Abba chrysalis. <laughs> but also that very kind of quaffed, women being pretty, all that kind of thing. And, 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 and although Blondie was beautiful and all those things, she was edgy. She, as I said, ugly vocals, sing ugly, as I mm. like to call it. And that just really changed things for me in lots of ways of course you don't realize it at the time and it's not until you look back and you unpick it and you see how pivotal it is and i suppose that's very antithetical to the whole polished production of abba you know everything's very sort of perfectly honed and produced and and that raw edgier sort of blondie kind of post pop yeah. punk sound or whatever was that's right. was less about having that sheen of polished perfection and actually the the stories behind the lyrics and what they're actually singing about are quite dark and some nasty. <laughs> Whereas Abba's just, you know, fluffy. Yeah, yeah. And know, I think... Apart from maybe winner takes it all. You know, <laughs> can all think, feel think, the heartache. <laughs> I think that's why I don't like disco music. I think it's, uh, yeah. be it's because of the that insincerity and that that superficiality of it i mean i understand completely that it was about creating that because of mm -hmm. of all the sort of the, the 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 misery and so on in the 70s you know the the political and the social misery that people were going through and disco was 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 the antidote to that you know that thing that pop music does it takes you out of the moment and puts you somewhere else for a time as that kind of sonic escapism but i I just find that 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 superficial appeal, the insincerity of disco is it sets my teeth on edge. It's too saccharine. It just does. It just doesn't work. Oh for yeah, me. yeah. I love disco. I mean, not all of it, but some, a lot of it, I really like. But again, when we've been talking about these things, I realised I was saying to you yesterday, wasn't I? That I, I mean, I just was so into music and pop, you know, that I think I worked out I must have been watching Top of the Pops every Thursday night from the age of four you know it's <laughs> ludicrous but yeah, of course yeah. having a much larger uh, older brother he was five years older than me and then obviously now that I think about it my mum pop music and music was obviously deeply important to her as well mm -hmm. and so she probably encouraged it and kind of because I I remember she used to sometimes she'd be in the kitchen and I remember she would come in and go oh I really like this one you know the two that stick in my mind are dance away by Roxy Music she came in and go oh I love this and then would dance away like uh -huh. she would dance in the living room and the other one 
bless her, was Dr. Hook. When you're in love with a beautiful woman. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she loved that too. So, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? And you don't really think about this stuff until you're forced to slightly unpick it. And you go, oh. Yeah, I remember, I remember <laughs> one of my earliest memories of Top of the Pops is, is when Gary Newman came on stage in that little black car and drove around singing cars. I mean, I dread to think what year that was. <laughs> Um, uh, oh no, hold on, we Googled, I Googled it, didn't I? Was it not 1979? Uh, Let me just check it again. I don't know, this, this is me. Computer. This is me confronting how old I am by realising how old I must have been at the time. 79 it came 79, out. 79, gosh. So yes, I, I remember very clearly him coming on stage and driving around. It was just him in that, that little black, it looks like one of those yellow and red Playmobil things that, that kids have in supermarkets. Isn't that funny? I have no memory of that. Maybe I missed that episode, but, but I remember the video vividly. Right. You know, with it hold, you know, so. And Adamant, I remember as a kid as well, you know, that whole dandy highwayman thing and, and, and the, the white smear of paint across yeah. the nose and the cheeks. It always makes me think of that when I watch cricketers playing in uh, abroad, you know, in uh, England or whatever. And they've got that white band across and oh, it's like, stand and deliver. But, um, but yeah, I remember Adamant as well, you know, that kind of early. I really loved that first album. I remember my, I had a, a mate called Esther McCaffrey and she had that on vinyl and we listened to it all the time. But that was uh, Kings of the Wild Frontier or something. Was that the name of the album? Yeah. But then when he he morphed into Standard Deliver, I was a bit like, "Mm, kind of all right. But by the time Goody Two Shoes came along, I was like, (laughs) no, 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 no. (laughs) Charming. I didn't like that one either. That was my first year at high school. And I remember being in first year at high school, going to the school disco and people doing that dance, you know, where you put the one arm up and the other one and, and that silly dance I did. And just thinking, even at the age of 12, going, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it would only work in context, wouldn't it? The theatricality of the showmanship of, 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 of Adamant, you know, if you try and take it out of all the, you know, the glamorous waistcoat and the, 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 the tricorn hat and the mask and mm. everything and just do it in your school hall. It probably wouldn't have quite... <laughs> Yes, maybe. <laughs> Despite them all doing their best to look like new romantics, you know, <laughs> or in CNA, you know, <laughs> CNA, boots, another boots, another shop boots. lost. Yes, boots from Stead and Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, then another. Yeah, and so all we're doing is it's now a litany of shops that we I'm remember sorry, that are no longer on this high street. I know. Well, and after the pandemic, there'll be a whole trodge more gone forever. I know. No more. Dorothy Perkins. No. I remember buying, this is how old I am, I remember buying LPs from Boots. And no, I Woolworths. Bought my, I Woolworths. bought mine in Woolworths. I was about to say, I bought mine in Woolworths. Although, I had a record shop and a desert, a, a, a kind of purely a record shop at the end of my road on Byers Road called Volume. And I remember, <laughs> dare I tell this story, both song, singles I'm about to tell you about are embarrassing. <laughs> But I used to buy a single almost every week with my pocket money for a while. And I went in to get You're the One That I Want because it was number one. But from because Greece. So I must have been about eight. And they didn't have it. It had sold out. So I bought the number two song. Which was what? (laughs) The Smurfs. (laughs) Oh, my God. So you go from relatively all right <laughs> with Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta, you know, 
it's a thing. But then the Smurfs, there's just there's no excuse. <laughs> and that's no that's no real consolation for not being able to purchase the number one single. I is know. It? I did, I just should have stopped there and gone. <laughs> I'll come back. And I I, I never did buy the single because I then bought the album, right. the double album, and the. The oh, gatefold, gatefold, which we yeah. talk about so much. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's because of the, I think we said before, haven't we, that, you know, it's the physicality, the tactile nature of the Gatefold album is that, you know, but obviously both you and I had Never Forever by Kate Bush. Mm. And one of the joys of it was was getting it home and opening the Gatefold album and immersing yourself in the, uh, the, 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 the artistry of it all. If, from what I can remember, weren't, what weren't the, the the lyrics laid mm -hmm. out in such a way as that animals appeared to be borrowing out from the LP cover? It was really cleverly was, done. There was definitely still, you know, drawings on the inside. That's right. I am going to Google it and I will tell you what it looked like. This is obviously my job because it's also what I was doing today on the, <laughs> on the vinyl count that I can, I think you'll find. We decided I was my role going to be a bit like dictionary corner didn't we that, yes so, that's uh, right yeah yeah yeah. but yes i mean i i yeah that i love that album as well the, the cover has got her from what i can recall she's holding up a sort of the skirt of her long dress and, and woodland animals are escaping and then they they go over the in into the inside of the gatefold album cover i think from that's right but they're, they're not just woodland i mean i think some of them are quite mythical looking oh no you're probably oh no there, yeah, there's one that looks a bit like it should be in Lord of the Rings, but yes, it's fish and whale and bats and stuff. Yes, it's excellent, isn't it? It's that sort Look of pa very pastoral, sort of mythical imagery that, that bands right. like Genesis had, didn't it? It was a real 70s thing, wasn't it? That English pastoral scene. Uh, is that right? Yes, that makes sense. Ah, okay. So the, the animals are not coming out of the oh yes you are right there's a bit where a, a swan and a bat are slightly look like they're punching through paper yeah almost okay yeah that's right and you just don't get that that connection between the product and the way that the product is wrapped up in 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 in, in the artistry of the album cover and and so on in in being able to stream it on spotify for all that you've got yeah. the wonderful ability now to to be able to to access music without having to save up and buy it or or whatever you can simply click around on spotify and find it we've lost that 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 deeper engagement with it somehow with with you know all those wonderful covers for for yes for the prog rock albums and so on it was as much a part of of of, of the experience of the product as listening to the music and and you don't get that on spotify with a little postage stamp sized thumbnail of the cover do you no absolutely not and i i used to love the cover notes you know all the kind of I would read all the who are they thanking, where was it recorded, who wrote what, and who played what instrument and what. And yeah. if they have the lyrics as well, I was a pig in muck because <laughs> I'm a little bit deaf. So some of the made-up lyrics that I did as a kid are quite strange. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a real boon when the lyrics were there too. But that kind of spending the hours with it in your hand and pouring over it like a book. Yeah. and. You've got the aural of the sound, the visual of looking at it and the connection between that. And then being handed that by the artist because they've made all those decisions, haven't they? What it's going to look like. And, did, you know, yeah. I assume back in the day that wasn't done by PR people. It would have been, no, well, maybe, being maybe overly less, romantic. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's right. You know, thinking of the 
the the things like the 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 prism the refracting prism of of dark side of the moon the pink floyd album um i remember reading that that the band had had has uh, re regretted that um, you could actually open the gatefold and you could have had this this uh, prism of light being reflected and, and one of the band was saying in a that they that there was a real marketing opportunity missed that you could have walked into a shop and just had that all those gatefold out album covers open and have the light going right round the shop but, yeah. but but that was something that was that they never saw so but yeah I mean I think the the somehow the the immersive experience of of mm. of of gatefold albums and the being able as you say to kind of read everything and, and, and engage with it much more is it's it's a real heyday i think of of the 70s but it also gives you that other connection to the artist don't you think that you're kind of getting another layer of intention mm. Do you know, does that make sense? I don't really know yeah, what I yeah, mean. Yeah. The sort of whimsical nature or all the sort of aspirational sci-fi of thinking, you know, the otherworldly visions of Yes on the front of their yeah. albums or all that sort of the weirdness of Genesis's Foxtrot with the with the um the the, the manicured lawn with the 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 croquet game and and it's the it's slightly menacing Victoriana of the nursery uh -huh. cr nursery crime that was it not Foxtrot um uh, it's it's slightly you speak of album covers of which i know nothing <laughs> i can see what you'll be googling after this conversation yeah. is over <laughs> <laughs> but yes and I, I, it's it's to do with nostalgia isn't it now the ability to 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 remember all the the the, the intricate pleasures that you got from from buying records and so on as a as a child that you just you know my daughter uh she downloads albums you know and, and and she's got the the wonderful ability to download music that she i would have you and i would probably have struggled to find you know if it wasn't going mm. to the local library as a kid or hearing it played on the radio and doing that thing of of being able to punch the cassette at the right time just to be able to record it off the the you know the top the 40 radio or yes on a yeah. sunday i used to do that and my most lasting memory of what try, try doing that with a track is donna summer's hot stuff i don't know why i just okay. have a really lasting memory of you know trying to get it so that you didn't get the uh the um not the compare the dj oh, yeah. <laughs> get them talking their rubbish you know you like yeah of course radio one djs back in the day oy 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 <laughs> I have to say I'm really loving watching those those top of the pops nostalgia programs on on BBC4 I think they are either they, they shows from particular shows or they do a sort of top of the pops 1987 with Mel Giederoch doing a narration I find them really really fascinating that whole thing about contextualizing all the mm. pop music and what it told you about a year yeah I haven't watched any of them yet I keep meaning to do it but as i have no welfare in my house i can't just stream things oh that's I true to, mm. but that does save but it, you that does save you from revisiting the horrible fashion and hairstyles of the 80s which you best they're there in lurid detail there's no getting away from them when you see them on top of the pops and you're going oh my god what did that decade do <laughs> and then you look at it going yeah i had that yeah i had that <laughs> oh crikey i had that as well <laughs> Uh, no, I, I wasn't cool or fashionable enough to have those kind of things. I just had, you know, sort of uh, immediately forgettable clothes and and more hair than I do now. I think that's what I miss having had when I, the days when I used to have hair. <laughs> I used to also make my own clothes back in the day to try and stay on top of fashion. You know, uh -huh. yeah. that's a skill, though. I mean, that's a proper proper seamstress skill. 
Yeah, you had a nice pair of striped seersucker trousers. Oh, yeah. George, George Michael would have been proud. <laughs> what colour? <laughs> I think they were red and white stripes. <laughs> red and white stripes. Oh, right. And then I had a little pair of white boxing boots, like, you know, a la wham. Okay. That I had to wait and save up for. And I went one time all the way down to, and I bought them in London and cut Shelley's and Carnaby Street. Oh, so you did the, 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 the peacock row of Carnaby Street. Yeah. yeah, but this is the thing. I mean, you can get anything everywhere. And because all the high streets are generic, mm. you then don't have to wait for anything. No. You know? That's again, that came up, didn't it, in today's vinyl countdown when Ellie was talking about her dad and saving up for records. Sorry, we're back to the blinking vinyls and getting them from the <laughs> shop again. But yes, it's and I wonder, do do I don't know if people listen to top top forties anymore. I know they're on telly and on MTV and all that kind of thing. But I don't I don't know. I don't think the charts has has quite the the allure and the, the pull of um, simply because they can't keep track of the multitudinous platforms and uh, by which people are listening to things to mm. get probably a, um, a halfway accurate uh, a, a, a prediction of, of, of the listening tastes and what is number one. I mean, I guess they, they do still have it on, on Towny FM, don't they? Or whatever it is on a Sunday. Um, what FM? Uh, Towny FM. I don't know what it is. What's that? <laughs> Well, oh, is, it, is it heart is it oh you know some oh, heart fm yes yeah yeah i think <laughs> i just thought, i suddenly thought i was doing a who is gaza moment you know <laughs> i was like oh no i'm totally out of touch <laughs> <laughs> but I, yes i mean i think you know streaming has really changed people's approach to music consumption and 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 the idea of the charts and then and then you know you rushing down with your pocket money to buy the smurfs <laughs> you were going to bring that up again <laughs> well, i should to... never ever ever have said that we'll have to I'm have an episode live it down we'll have to have an episode where we talk about our most shameful pop acquisitions and i can talk about my gatefold Chaz and dave greatest hits <laughs> <laughs> you are kidding me did you my dad loves Chaz and dave oh mind I... you when when i recited back some of the lyrics from rabbit he went I thought you didn't like Chaz and Dave. Oh. Just for the viewers, my dad is from London. <laughs> <laughs> I, but like maybe it's 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 not that you didn't you you liked it. It's just that you were you were exposed to it so much. Well, he didn't own any of it. It's oh. just that way that nature's awfulness that when you really dislike something, somehow something in your brain hits the record button. Yeah. And you're yeah. like you utter utter. <laughs> I've just mouthed the word. <laughs> yes, it's horrible. I mean, I know the modern equivalent might be an earworm, possibly. Yeah. But that tends to just be a kind of tag or, you know, a kind of intro or something. Now, this was the whole lyrics kind of seemed to go in. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, that Cockney pub-based music making. It was a real thing, wasn't it? <laughs> Chaz and Dave were, I remember particularly, you know, uh, they were really popular when I was a kid. And I had, I did, shameful to admit, I did have a couple of their albums. 
and, and not just any albums. You had the greatest hits. I had, yeah, yeah, the equivalent of the Run Rig nine million oh. songs. Ah, <laughs> oh, maybe that's my revenge. I will be, put my my nomination <laughs> will be the double album, Chaz and Dave's Greatest Hits, four sides of vinyl LPs of. Well, that's of, that's the equivalent of that Run Rig album. <laughs> that was four CDs worth. Oh, ouch! But that's like eight albums, isn't it? Yeah. Is it? No, it's four albums. No, 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 yeah. Still, it's still a, a fairly demanding listening experience. I know, but I'm glad that we've coined we've coined the term um, uh, "harbour wall rock" <laughs> for all those songs that, that 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 are all about sitting by the harbour or in the harbour wall and reflecting on someone going out to sea or coming back from somewhere and the yeah. the, the, the watery misery of it all. That's right. Wow, it's deeply ingrained in us Scots. I have to say. <laughs> Well, I suppose it maybe it even comes from the clearances when they kicked everybody off the land and then they went off to America and Canada on the boats, you see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. um, I mean, that, we, we were saying earlier that harbours are particularly emotionally laden spaces, aren't they? You know, people mm. are, you're either waving somebody off or you're waiting, anticipating somebody coming back or it's a it's a haven for those who've been, you know, out to sea or something. And, and yeah, harbours must be sort of emotionally weighted spaces. So that's why they come up so often in, in Scottish folk. Mm -hmm. in, in a way that airports don't. <laughs> <laughs> Despite in, de in in German it being a plane haven, isn't it? Flughafen. Flughafen. So they... <laughs> Who did um, leaving on a jet plane? John Denver. Oh, I don't. Oh, is that him? Yeah, I, I think is, so. He wrote it while he was in an airport, and it became his most successful song, I think. And he earned a vast fortune from from well, you mean after Annie's song. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> From having just sat in a in, a, in an airport airport lounge penning a, a monster hit. <laughs> and the only other song I could think of that references a an airport is an ELO track on Out of the Blue. Oh, what's that called? N Night in the City, I think. I, I ELO is is unknown territory for me. I'm oh, afraid. are they? Oh, right. <laughs> I've got a terror. It, it's awful, isn't it? When I mean, I really like them, but. I like the Out of the Blue album. That one, I think, has stood the test of time. But I tried listening to the Discovery album, which was the next one, and I just had to turn it off because right. I thought so <laughs> this will really offend yellow fans all over the world. <laughs> well, that's imagining anybody's listening. Um, <laughs> I just thought, oh, no, oh, no, I can't, I can't get past these. And I'll just stop there because I don't want to ruin that memory. <laughs> yeah, I had... Um... I, uh, when I was uh, buying, when I was converting all my my father's LP collection uh, to MP3, so that I could archive it in the loft, so it wouldn't get knocked over by my rampaging toddler kids, um, <laughs> I was still out buying vinyl, and I bought—I don't know what it was called, but it, it was the ELO gatefold album with a spaceship on the front. That's out of the blue. Is it? And I, I, I thought, oh, you know, gatefold. Is it? It might be a bit proggy. It sort of looks from that era. I'm sure I'll like it. And I put on the first track, and I lasted approximately fifteen <laughs> to twenty of your Earth seconds, uh, and then. And then I had to take it off and I, I, I couldn't, I've never gone back to it again. I think I, I, I don't remember what I heard. I think my memory has erased it because obviously I'm didn't try to think what that first track is. It didn't, uh, I, I didn't, it didn't grab me in a way that, you know, as, as a big prog rock fan, I was looking for perhaps uh, something else. Turn to stone. Is that what it, it is? It starts, it goes, 
and it comes in quietly and then gets louder and louder and louder okay so it's got that anyway. sort of prog rock lengthy introduction of noodling has it or well no not on, not it, there's no intros in ELO of the length of which you spoke about <laughs> yesterday when we were listening to the cure album i couldn't believe it i just every song had such a lengthy intro i mean the first couple you're like okay they're doing that and then it ended up with every single track on the album it's a good two minutes before you hear robert smith's vocals come in most of the time on that album isn't it yeah and i also hadn't realized how old that as in how much later in their careers that album had come because of course when they were first on my radar as i was telling you yesterday i remember the single charlotte sometimes and it having a big impact i mean really enjoying it mm -hmm. and i looked back at it and i looked at the video and went yep that's exactly how i remember it and i was only <laughs> 12 when it came out and then of course i've just actually reached just a moment ago googled love cats which of course is their probably largest hit ever yeah. and it everybody likes it don't they um and that was only 1983. Yeah. So, of course, that's how I remember them. And then when you made me listen to that album. <laughs> <laughs> None taken. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, my limes. I don't remember this. It I is. To, how did they get like that? It is it fairly was... weighty and, and, and ponderously kind of darkly oh. melancholic positively apocalyptic i mean it's just well is that the right word it's just it's <laughs> it's unrelenting unrelenting it's it, and, it certainly takes takes the listener on a really kind of dark odyssey doesn't it but then then the final track it emerges as we were saying you know it, it really does feel cathartic that you emerge into a much lighter space and and you're all the better for well this is you obviously perhaps don't feel quite no no and of course it'd be my usual pretentious self i went oh it's it's like going up the tears of the inferno backwards <laughs> you know coming out of the malabolga you know okay <laughs> we're not there anymore brilliant you know crying <laughs> you're still in there you're just not right down at the bottom anymore yeah i mean i i've never i don't think i've ever experienced something like that it was extraordinary I mean, as I think about it now, I mean, obviously, when we did it yesterday, you're kind of just reacting to it in a minute, but you're stepping back from it, you know, a day later, and you're mm. like, that is quite a journey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 and it's much more, I think, than than you're necessarily expecting. You know, um, you, you know, as we were saying earlier, you don't have the time now to, and and you know, our listening consumption isn't that you sit down, you listen to an entire album from beginning to end. So part yeah. of the, part of the joy of those listening parties is is being asked to do exactly that. So you you really push through the album in real time in a way that you perhaps don't listen to albums anymore. And I think that that sort of, uh, sort of vast emotional landscape that, that the cures disintegration presents and it sort of strides through it with these epic strides doesn't it and and all the glittering effects and so on and it's it's very somber and very sort of yeah majestically miserable yeah and it, it's absolutely like the epitome of that miserable kind of rock i don't know if you even call it rock i don't know what it is but you you know you had a lot of these goth bands you know I don't know, Jesus and Mary Chain are they one and all that kind of lot and but this is just the absolute <laughs> apex of that, isn't it? I mean 
it's extraordinary yeah and i mean obviously love cats was written i think deliberately to to go against the grain of how the cure were perceived at the time he thought right you know we, we, i don't want us to be labeled like that i'm going to write something that really just breaks the mold and is much more yeah. light-hearted and finger snapping and jazz the, the upright bass and so on but then i think and of course he, in my oh sorry but I think I think then then he obviously was drawn back into that writing disintegration. <laughs> you know, it was going through a particularly dark period, and 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 obviously it sort of it created the the very the the, the sort of the 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 um what's the word for for the 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 absolute model the paradigm of yeah. of, of miserable goth rock in a way that's, uh, that's just amazing. Yeah, but it, I mean. I obviously I can't help myself being a bit of a cyber stalkery kind of fact person and looking in and around it. And it said he was experimenting a lot with LSD around that time and all mm. grappling also with the idea of knowing that this addiction may end his life and all that. I mean, it's an extraordinary kind of emotional maelstrom. Mm. And then to be sat there listening to it kind of play out <laughs> in this album. Yes, I mean, you need you need to sort of go in and find something frothy, the very antidote to that afterwards, don't you? Just to sort of yeah, bit of disco. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah, um, bit chic. <laughs> <laughs> I, d I obviously didn't feel quite so emotionally drained that I had to go away and listen to disco after that. <laughs> Never again. No, car wash by Rose Royce. Oh dear, I think this is this is a dark a dark avenue in in, in a very different way now. We have For to get you, out, yeah. get out, get out, get out, listeners, get out before it becomes a total disco memory lane. It's really interesting because Love Cats and you talking about going against the grain, and as you were talking about, it suddenly reminded me the other song that I feel they often kind of correlate in my mind is golden brown by the stranglers oh yeah which again is that kind of very different genre for a band although obviously they've still kept a very dark subject matter because it's obviously about heroin isn't mm, it mm. but that harpsichord sound and you know yeah i'm sorry i digress I but it just really <laughs> reminds they always because knowing what both bands actually their music was like, and then these little pearls of that they did, and it must have been about the similar time as well. I would have thought. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> For I'm taking just us find down. Out when they, I know. I'm just going to look up when that came out as well. Sorry. The Stranglers thing. Yes, because about yourself. <laughs> it's um. Because that's got an unusual, it's, it's, it's something like 13 beats in a bar, isn't it, or something? Deliberately asymmetrical time signature, which is very, very clever and very hooky. Oh, yeah. Gosh, this is even earlier. It's 81 that art song came out. Oh, really? Crikey, crikey. It sounds, it sounds, the sonic world of it, in my head anyway, as I think back to it now, mm. it sounds a lot earlier than 1981. Oh, earlier. See, I would have thought a bit later. Because, of course, in my mind, I then think, how old was I in 81? That means I was 12. Well, I thought I was a bit older than that when that came out, because I loved that song. Mm -hmm. Mind you, I like the Stranglers anyway. I remember Peaches when it came out. Because, of course, having that older brother, and I remember friends of him having uh, the Stranglers, you know, that sunset with the rat going across. And oh, yeah. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, having it on the back of a leather jacket. And I think my brother borrowing the album and hearing it round the house and stuff. So I knew these singles, uh, you know, these songs at the time. Gosh, seems so odd, doesn't it? Knowing things like the Stranglers when you're seven or eight. <laughs> and well, I, I wonder that's... whether kids... 
do kids nowadays get exposed to extreme stuff like that i don't I, know possibly because of the ease with which you can track stuff down on spotify you know there's the the, the listening library opportunities are much wider than than they were in back in the 70s and the 80s and even the 90s you know i think there's it's yeah it's easier to come across music and find different things but um it, it does change your listening habits in in different ways i think mm. yeah Although I'm always surprised when I meet older teenagers or, you know, 14, 13, still listening to Aria Grande or Ariana Grande. Ariana sorry. Grande. Is that a bit mean? Is she <laughs> a bit more grown up than that, than I think? I don't I think know. So. Anyway, I just wondered. Oh, OK. Just shows what I know. <laughs> Is it because my daughter listens to it and she's she's. Oh, she still likes it, does she? She's going to be 17 on Monday. Oh, my God. I know. But I mean, and also she's quite reasonably musically savvy isn't she she's not kind of kind of i don't know sometimes i think that kids are sometimes the childhood is slightly extended and infantilized a little bit but i don't oh, know if that's true you. so anyway I mean, that's that's, that's what we're that's chat. what we that's what you and i are doing by going back and listening to all oh, the music absolutely from i'm trying to claw it back absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's a way it's a way of denying the aging process. You know, I'm going to go back to when I was 12 years old in the summer of listening to that album or something. Do you think it's also to do with the COVID thing, which is you just want to escape back into those bubbles and yeah. things that you just kind of, it's you know, quite literally putting your fingers in your ears and going, la, 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 la. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I've no doubt that there is a, a I, I wonder if there has been a huge, the pull of nostalgia at this time, you know, when 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 life has shut all sorts of other creative opportunities and pastimes and so on, all, all the things that we've not been able to do for a year. I wonder if if I, I certainly have. I've sort of retreated into sort of you know listening to to music and 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 rereading books from from childhood just as a way perhaps of combating that that sort of inability to do things that I would normally have mm. done during lockdown. And yeah, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> although recently uh the family that i i kind of uh my neighbors if you see what i mean that i'm in a bubble with uh i gave their daughter some bo uh, books that i loved as a kid at her age and she's reading them and every now and again she'll say oh i'm at this bit duh, 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 duh. and it's so lovely because it kind of creaks open my brain and i go oh yeah and then this bit happens doesn't yeah. it and then and i'm amazed at how much then starts to recall and then suddenly getting the excitement back and you know remembering how fearful at one point I felt and da 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 da, da mm. you know and yeah it's really enjoyable isn't it <laughs> yeah, yeah go back and feel the the kind of uh wide-eyed kind of yes you 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 remember the wonder and the excitement of of experiencing it for the first time as as, as a child don't you and in a way yeah. sharing it with, with 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 others is 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 in a way kind of rekindling it in yourself somehow Absolutely, absolutely. And we've both commented, haven't we? Every time we finish a, a vinyl countdown or even the ticky typing through the listening party, how energized we feel and buzzy. And yeah. the energized sounds a bit naff, but really buzzy about it and really upbeat, you know, even after the cure. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay. I've taken it out of gallery because I don't like looking at myself. So it'll just inhibit me because I'll keep going. Uh, 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 so have you just got my balding fat head looming out of the screen? Yeah, perfect. Love it. <laughs> <laughs>